Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Traxler and Carolyn Ford to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Today on To The Point Cybersecurity, Eric and I are joined by Forcepoint Senior Vice President of Global Governments and Critical Infrastructure, Sean Berg. We talk about our favorite highlights from Forcepoint's recent Government at the Edge Virtual Summit, and Sean shares his top five takeaways. Sean, thanks for coming back to To The Point Cybersecurity, and we recently had our annual summit. This year, we tried something new that everybody else was trying, which was a virtual summit, We had a lot of great government speakers, and I know that you've shared with me that you had some key takeaways from the conference, and I'd like to start with those key takeaways. Sounds good. If if it's okay, I'm just going to go through the five, and then let's talk about each one of them. So, So number one is create a sustainable remote work strategy. That remote work strategy must include IT modernization. Number three, people are the new perimeter. Number four, prepare to address cyber threats, new and old. And then number five, facilitate industry and interagency partnerships. So let's let's start with the first one. Create a sustainable. That's quite a list. It, it yeah. is. It's a, good, it's a good list. There's a lot of key takeaways from that uh, session last week. So it was a, a lot to pull from. And if you start with you know creating a remote, a sustainable remote work strategy, you know, the key thing is sustainable because the current, you know, remote working is not going to change anytime soon um, before we have a, uh, a vaccination out there for, for COVID-19. So I think, you know, we had a, in probably every single topic that we had that day, this, this, this uh, topic came up um, talking about the remote work strategy, both the pivot and transition to the remote work strategy, which uh, I know Chris Krebs talked a lot about, um, you know, their strategy for that uh, that, that pivot, um, appointing a, a telework coordinator that uh, you know that focuses on making sure that you know all of the uh, the bigger challenges were, were were taken care of. He talked a lot about um, just the specific challenges around. The VPNs and making sure the VPNs were updated and we had enough of them to support the large influx of, of a transition to remote work and that how, you know, um, all the new threats that, uh, you know, come about because, you know, you have individuals from your workforce that are accessing uh, uh, network resources, you know, within the agency and, and, and that is a big challenge. And, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, leadership from the Air Force, Frank Konetsky, you know, talking about how the Air Force made that transition. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that, you know, things aren't changing soon and things may be forever changed in terms of the amount of a workforce that will be uh, able and, you know, needed, necessary to work from work remotely. That that's going to require a whole rethinking, uh, not only just around the the IT infrastructure and how you support all these people remoting in, but how you secure them as well. So, Sean, I mean, we're talking about a workforce here that traditionally, I mean, VA and a couple of exceptions, really didn't work from home. 
many pieces of the workforce, DOD and the intelligence community can't do their most critical work from home because of clearances and security issues around the networks they work on. I, I thought Chris Krebs, you know, talked to it a good bit, and I know George did. What are you hearing in the industry? I mean, what happens when we have COVID and we can't work from home? What are you seeing? Yeah, I think I, I think you're seeing this, in, you know, on the Department of Defense side more than anywhere anywhere um, where you have the Air Force and the Army having you know initiatives and, and a number of combatant commands too, by the way, having initiatives to increase the amount of remote workers um, that can access um, a, a classified domain, um, leveraging uh, commercial solutions for classified solutions. Um, leveraging cross-domain technology to be able to access this. This is not something that's that's new. Um, you know, the, uh, as George Camus talked about um, with the uh, uh, with, about the FBI, they've been they've been using this type of technology for some time. Um, I think that uh, as 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 a greater percentage of the workforce can access access those classified networks from a work from home or work remote um, manner. That will, you know, enable at least a larger percentage of the workforce to be able to to, to connect into and do do meaningful work. Uh, I think, you know, across the DoD as well, you know, that uh, the, that workforce uh, is a heavy user of of desktops as well as laptops. So, um, not having um, uh, systems that can be uh, used remotely, I think, was was always a, a challenge. I mean, there's a there is a big you know, to the second point, this this work remote, work remote strategy um, has to include IT modernization. Um, so you, you see this in a lot of uh, uh, agencies now that they're creating um, uh, heavily heavy use of uh, virtual desktop infrastructure to create um, ways for uh, remote workers to remote in, spin up a desktop in there in the the network to gives you you know all the security controls that you're looking for. And be able to access, you know, a lot of the uh, the resources that they potentially could 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 access um, uh, only if they were on site. I don't think you'll ever, you know, um, be able to work through the challenges of having to work from a skiff, you know, during during COVID. I think the current strategy around um, blue gold teams and and uh, you know different groups, you know, working at different times, so you reduce the risk of the whole workforce being able contracting uh, um, COVID-19 is, is an acceptable strategy, but, um, you know, ultimately, you know, people need to access the resources so they can do their job, whether that's remote, whether that's connecting into a secure, into a, a classified network securely, remotely using uh, commercial solutions for classified or, or other means. I think that's, that's the only way we, you know, can go forward here, that, that, you know, what we are learning is a lot right now. Uh, the various organizations are, are learning how to manage this. And I think we are going to, as a, as a country, as a defense department, intelligence community, going to create a new normal as to how we manage through these, uh, um, these situations, because certainly, you know, that this, this hasn't, this won't be the last COVID-19 won't be the last. Do you think we're going to see a lot of these agencies continuing the remote work now that they've, that we're figuring oh, yeah, absolutely. out. I mean, Chris, Chris Krebs talked about it, you know, just, you know, accessing talent 
um, not being restricted to a geographic region to access talent is that was great opportunity yeah. for all agencies. And, you know, that's, uh, um, I think that's the new norm. And I think, you know, certainly within the commercial sector, and I think you'll see this within, within the, um, the government as well as, you know, having a flexibility. So we've all proven that we can work remotely and we'll be productive and, and do this securely. So working remotely will now be expected for new entrants to the labor market. And, you know, if, if you want to be competitive in recruiting and in talent acquisition, you're going to have to have a strategy that incorporates uh, work, work flexibility and, and work from remote. Yeah. I think it opens up a whole new pool of candidates. Absolutely. If you didn't have a hub, an IT hub, a cyber hub, a base, whatever it may be, you know, in your state or your region, the odds of you working for an organization that wasn't located near you was slim to none in the past. How, how are we going to make sure, though, that the cyber hygiene at home is on par? Because yeah. we've had this problem for years. I mean, we just talked in, in David Sanger's book, The Perfect Weapon. He talks about WannaCry. Like, it was so successful because people didn't update. And that happened years ago. So this has been a problem for a really long time. What are we going to do and what are the agencies going to do to ensure that the cyber hygiene is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this speaks to, you know, people are the new perimeter and, and how we're preparing to address the, the cyber threats new and old. You know, certainly as you move your workforce remotely, when people are working from home, you know, brings a whole new set of risks, whether it's a government issued computer or not, um, connecting to resources, you know, on the government side. Um, I think, there were some really good points, you know, that uh, were brought out about uh, from Matt Moynihan and, and Frank Konetsky, you know, talking about, you know, the, the you know, imperative um, to deploy security tools that protect the, the users wherever they, they may be. And this is everything from endpoint security to zero trust network access and things like that, you know, these, these uh, constructs to... Um, ensure that you know the the end what's going on on the endpoint is is secure and, and managed and 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 audited, um, and then how those resources access the network has to be done in a very controlled way. Um, you know, endpoints are play a really big role here in terms of giving visibility and management and control and, and protection, um, and I don't think that's that's certainly not going to you know going to change. I think that. The whole zero trust paradigm is is going to be critical to to uh, um, you know to ensure the security of those connections going into the, the corporate or the the government network. Now, what I would also say is you know leveraging you know back to the infrastructure discussion, leveraging capabilities like virtual desktop infrastructure, so you can have an individual that can remote in create a secure. Um, uh, zone on that on that computer to to connect with a uh, virtual desktop that's on that particular network that they're trying to access that you know gives still a lot of control to the um, to the organization that's managing those those VDI sessions and takes some of the risk away. But you know, as as people are working remotely, you know, and they're off the corporate or, or government network, you know, you lose visibility. 
Um, so those you know organizations, we're certainly seeing this right now on the commercial side uh, of the business is that you know corporations are rethinking insider threat tools, user activity monitoring and things like that um, to understand what's going on on those devices where they, uh, um, you know, they, they don't have a whole lot of visibility around. Yeah, yeah and I, Eric, I agree. I was going to just bring up your panel, Eric. You had a couple of great guests. You had the CTO from the Air Force, Frank Konecki, yep. yes, and uh, Jamie Noble with um, the Attorney CTO General. Dick? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you you talked about zero trust, and that term's been kicked around for years, like as long as I've been in the industry. So I don't know if we want to talk about what's changed here, but I mean, how how are they approaching zero trust? So it, it was interesting hearing everybody's perspective, and and you know when I talk to customers in general, not just Frank and Jamie, um, the perspectives on zero trust are varied, I will, I will say, but micro-segmentation, uh, multi-factor authentication, you know, they're, they're looking at different levels. The cloud is probably the biggest area where you see the variance. You know, what does that look like? Um, it, it's interesting, though, hearing the panelists talk about zero trust. They know they need to go there. The, the, the macro-level piece I'd talk about, though, or, or I think is really important, is people realize security has to change. What we've been doing isn't working. We're now working at home. You know, you can't just home run everything back to the data center. VPNs are being attacked. VPNs don't scale. So everything you were saying, Sean, um, yeah, you know, I think really came up. You know, Jamie was very proud. They had just rolled out VDI to the entire organization in February. Right? Great story. They had control. So right? with with, with VDI then you know what people, because, okay, Nico Pop said, here's a quote from him. If you've not looked into user activity mark monitoring, you have to, because when people work from home, you have no idea what they're doing. So does that narrative change when like Jamie's team rolling out VDI? Now, do they know what they're doing? So I, I don't think VDI gives them that, but VDI, in my opinion, gives a, a certain level of isolation to the corporate infrastructure, right? So if I'm running, if I have a computer and, and one of the problems they may have is that, you know, we've had many people talk about this. They didn't have enough laptops for mm. employees, right? They had to go out and do mass buys. So we have employees even to this day in the government using home laptops. Well, imagine if they could just spin up the VDI session, do their home, do, do their work at home, and then their kid can go and play Fortnite or do their schoolwork or whatever on that same system. It provides a certain level of isolation, right? Yeah, George, George explained it to me that I could understand that, that it's just an image. Like there's nothing really on my computer. When I'm on the VDI, I'm seeing, I, I'm, it's not on my computer. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're really no, getting I, I the presentation was... logic from the client. Mm -hmm. So they can be cheaper. You can have different clients. You can have lots of clients. You can work from anywhere, which helps with the coupons. But it's primarily presentation logic, mm -hmm. right? You can restrict things. The corporation controls it. They can, they can patch it, the image, right? If there's malware, they can wipe the image at night, and the next morning you get a new image, and the malware is gone. You shorten that window of, of attack. 
Sean, I think I cut you off. I apologize. Yeah, no, I was, you know, the, the one thing that um, I don't think we spent enough time talking about is, you know, especially around ZTNA, Zero Trust Network Access, where you're having, you know, you're, you don't trust anybody and then you, you, they access it and then you give them, you know, access to, to resources that, that, you know, that they have, they're authorized to. But what's critical in all of these discussions around, you know, humans as the new perimeter, right, is understanding what's normal and what's not normal from a behavior perspective. And we probably didn't spend enough time talking about that because what that does, when you can, when you can understand behavior and you understand what's normal behavior, not normal behavior, you can assess risk on individuals, risk based on the, their certain behavior. And once you've done that, and you created a risk um, score or level or whatever, yeah, that can be leveraged by all parts of the ZTNA, right? It can be leveraged by the authentication. It can, you can, you know, hey, if somebody bops to a, to a higher risk level um, based on their behavior, you then can re-authenticate them. You can give them an MFA. You can do a whole lot more things with which, um, you know, it, it weaponizes all of these things. It weaponizes data loss prevention, it weaponizes insider threat tools, it weaponizes a lot of things because you're not applying the same logic based on everybody with respect to what resources you're going to give them. You're, you're, you, you still have that, but then it's being enriched with the, uh, the risk scores of that individual based on their behavior. Because of what they're not talking about is that, yeah, you can have all the great ZTNA stuff out there in authentication tools and stuff, but if somebody takes your credentials and they're doing it remotely, right? Now that becomes a whole new um, security. Well, they are you. Yeah, yeah, they are yeah, you. Are you, they're, you. They're, they're yeah. authorized to do anything that you could do, which could be yep. malicious. If yeah, it's but not if you real. have a good, if you have a good baseline, like that baseline knows Eric exactly how you type, for example, and it's going to pick up potentially. That. And that and that baseline <laughs> is derived from you know, how you interact with that system in a lot of things, mm -hmm. how do you interact with resources, you know, within your environment. Um, so that's what I think, I think Nika was getting to when he was talking about, hey, you know, uh, user activity monitoring, insider threat, this becomes really, really important in terms of identifying what's normal, what's aberrant, and, you know, those individuals that could have compromised credentials and ensuring that 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 risk associated with those individuals is leveraged by all aspects of, of your environment, you know, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud or, or, or whatever. That becomes critically important when you're talking about people re accessing resources remotely. And they're not, you know, so they're not badging in and going into a, a site and, and, you know, you can validate a lot of things in those steps. When you're doing it remotely, you're just talking about credentials that need to be continuously validated through monitoring an individual's behavior and understanding what's normal, what's not. Yeah, I think we have critical. an opportunity here, Carolyn, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've spent so much on the physical data center, the corporate network and control. And I think what COVID showed us was we weren't ready for full-scale work from home. But as mm -hmm. we talk about modernization, as we talk about change, we have a driver, we have an imperative, it, it's time, and we have the ability it does change. I think Nico, I think it was in the session with Nico where he talked about a lot of the control now goes back to the endpoint, right? We were moving away right. from the endpoint, but we need to almost go back to the endpoint, even when the endpoint is going to be 
you know, a, a presentation logic, a dumb endpoint potentially in BDI. Now you've got to look at what people are doing. People are the new perimeter. You're going to focus there more than maybe the corporate data center, right? That's right. not where your spend will be. Or the badge logins you mentioned, Sean, right? We have different sets of controls we need to look at, understand, and implement. And fortunately or unfortunately, COVID has really accelerated the schedule, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say, that this is this is critical. This is this is, this really is a matter of life and death at this point, as Krebs pointed out, um, just around COVID and the and what all the attacks they've been seeing on the vaccination centers and and how we're going to protect those centers. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the. Um, he, he mentioned specifically that, um, you know, nation states going after um, vaccine, vaccination um, studies and um, formulas and, and things like that, how people are looking at addressing this through a vaccination. So, you know, that's a new, hot new area of intellectual property that, you know, nation states are going after. And therefore, how we're, you know, and this probably goes to the, to the fourth point around how you know, facilitating uh, industry and interagency partnerships, how agencies are both working together and working with the community to um, the industry to to protect those is, is becomes more important than ever. Right. Um, you, you only need to look at, you know, uh, how aggressive these nation states are in terms are, are getting to get access to some, some of this intellectual property, whether it's COVID-19 vac- vaccination info or whether it's you know, um, plans for weapon systems and things like that, you know, this becomes an imperative and it takes a collaborative effort between agencies, between agencies and industry um, that we're sharing information, we're sharing cyber threat information and security research and and um, best practices and, and all of these types of things becomes that much more critically important to ensure that we're, we're protecting um, you know, what is our, our, our critical national resources. Yeah, and that partnership between private and government, I mean, that was kind of a mantra throughout the conference. And Peter Singer, his session was my favorite. Yeah. Um, he's always so fascinating. Awesome. Well, and he pointed out like all the crazy ways that these breaches can happen. Yeah. Um, and, and just the importance of this partnership between private and government. But I, I think... Singer was great also in saying it's not always a cyber attack, right? Now you have an employee working from home. Maybe they've been working from home for several months, as most of us have been. They aren't getting out. They're on Facebook. Somebody's trolling them, right? We, now we've got, you know, social media influencing them. Getting back, Sean, to your point of the people being the new perimeter. What if I coerce an employee what, what if I do that? And now we've got to look at the behaviors again of what that employee is doing versus what they used to do, because it may not be a piece of malware. You know, maybe we're running a PSYOP operation on them and we're getting them to pull data to support their cause, even though they're supporting a foreign nation state like Russia or China. They just don't know about it. Right. We've seen that before. Singers talked about it. I, I think, I, I think it really gets back to changing the way moderns, modernizing security and the way we look at it in the new in the world we live in today. It's very different than this time last year. Very That's different. Hundred percent. Coop was your site's going down. You move your people to an alternate site. Nobody planned as as uh, Dave McDonald told us, Chief Resiliency Officer Carolyn, a few months ago. 
nobody planned for no sites to be available. Everybody works from wherever. Right. Well, and I love how Krebs pointed out um, all of the partnerships that are in play right now and what like CISA, his organization is doing even to protect the upcoming elections and what they've been doing around COVID and the, um, the vaccination centers. I mean, that partnership is taking place, but it needs to be, there needs to be a lot more of it. Yeah, I've seen this over my career um, a few times. That type of IP is incredibly, incredibly valuable to foreign nations, right? You're talking their entire economy in some cases can be altered by getting a vaccine first, right? Yeah. Stealing it and then iterating. It, it, it's huge. We've, we've seen it time after time. And, and I think COVID brings it to the forefront. What I also saw, though, was the lack of coordination, the, the lack of control, like who handles an attack on a pharmaceutical company? Is it DHS? Is it the pharmaceutical company? Is it NSA? Yeah. Is it local law enforcement? Is it yeah. FBI? Is it all exactly. the above? And, and pre-COVID, I don't have experience during COVID, but pre-COVID, it was kind of everybody and nobody, and it was a disaster. Well, so I, I still, love those partnerships. Who, who's the belly button, though, as my dear friend Dan Velez likes to say? Who's the yeah, belly but, button? But the good news is that, that Krebs and the team are working hard on the partnerships so mm -hmm. that we are more coordinated, so we, that we are more capable, because you're right, who is the belly button? Well, we need to figure that out. When I, I put one uh, other plug in there from, from the week. Um, Nico Pop's top 10, um, yeah. old David Letterman style was phenomenal. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, the singer was great, but, you know, his, uh, Nico's has a way with uh, articulating uh, the, the changes that are happening in the cybersecurity industry in a, in a very, uh, um, in a very informative way. You know, with Sean, Sean, do you have one or two you want to share? Oh God, yeah. I'd like to, you know, I like this fact that you know um, what's old is new, and what's new is old around the endpoint. You know, being yeah, coming back, back, coming back into style. I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, he just has a great way with you know how he articulates the uh, the critical uh, components of you know that are changing within the cybersecurity industry. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, so I, I would suggest uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure Carolyn will can provide the, uh, the, the links to the, the replay of that one. I think that would yeah. be. Yeah, you know, Nico is, is always entertaining. And the link to the on-demand conference will be in our uh, show notes. Awesome. So you can go watch all of these sessions. Yeah, and you can session. watch them piecemeal too, right, Carolyn? You can. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal sessions between, you know, Matt Moynihan and Chris Krebs and Eric, your, your, um, uh, fireside chat was, was phenomenal as well. And, and, uh, I think it was good, good use of time. Yeah. Matt and, yeah. Matt and Chris talking was, uh, riveting. Mm -hmm. I, I sat before my session and watched that and, and that was, that was great. I love Nico's quote though, you know, as we wrap up here, Carolyn, when people work from home, you have no idea what they're doing. Think about that for a second. You have no idea what they're doing. That's scary. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it comes from, you know, all of this, all of his comments comes from, you know, having many, many discussions with, with CISOs all across 
you know, government and, and commercial. So it's a well-informed view. Yeah. My, my favorite moment, of course, is Peter at the end of Peter Singer's, it was actually during his Q and a, he gave an example of how social media, it's scary example, but there's a, I think she was a Japanese pop star and she posted a picture of herself yes. on social media yes. and the, the creepy stalker was able to look like knock on her appoint, apartment door 24 hours later. Yeah, I've been looking at her eye and seeing yes. reflection in her eye based on that, you know, a really high bit, high res uh, picture that she took. Yeah. Of herself. <laughs> Tracked her down through like street sign reflections in her eye. Yeah. So, How cool is that? Or scary. scary. So scary. We, uh, so scary. We, we did an open source intelligence project, just, just an example, um, a couple of years ago, prior employment. And uh, we, we tracked it. We, we just picked a random guy and we could figure out he was a priest. We could figure out where he lived, where he worked, who his parishioners were. I mean, it, it took all of 20 minutes. It's yeah. crazy the amount of information that is available that you can pull out of just the most subtle of, of indicators. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay, well, so where do we find it, Carolyn? You'll have it in the show notes. I, I'm going to put it in the show notes. How many out? Three and a half hours of content? Yeah. But like you said, you can watch it piecemeal. So you can watch each one of these sessions at your leisure. Or listen while you're running or exercising, yeah. whatever. It's Yeah, I, I thought it was a great use of time. Looking forward to the replay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks you guys. John. Thanks, Yeah. Thank, thank you. Very thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back again soon. All right. Bye, Sean. Take care, guys. You can view all the sessions we talked about today online. The link is in the show notes. You can listen and subscribe to To The Point Cybersecurity wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 